I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. back to old school. I'm Chief Rick Lassie along with my good buddy Chief John Salka and we are getting ready as we speak for FDIC. FDIC is right around the corner. Coming right up. Um, uh, you know what it's, it's going to be when we talked about this before it's going to be a busy week like it always is. Um, the moment we hit the ground Sunday they've got us doing a lot of stuff and bouncing around and different booths and things like that but this year John um, you know it, we're going to be missing uh, missing a key element, you know, big time key element uh, to the whole thing. And that's Chief Bobby Halt, our good friend Bobby. Uh, you, you know, we've been with him for for decades now, yep. and uh, yep. you know, yep. FDIC for almost twenty years. And we all the years we did uh, issues and challenges with him on the big stage, you yeah, and I just and Bobby, the three of us. Yep. And then you know we merged <laughs> that into After Hours. Um, we lost Bobby in December. Uh, he passed away, but. Um, Wednesday, our normal after hours program with uh, John Norman, Bill Gustin. Uh, now it's going to be joined by David Rhodes, the new boss. David, we'll talk about David in a second. It's awesome. Uh, but we're going to we're going to dedicate that show uh, to Bobby. His family's going to be there. Right. Um, bunch of people lined up to talk and speak, and uh, you know, pay tribute to a to a, to a great man. And uh, right, that we lost too soon. Yes, yeah. too soon. And you know, the guy. Uh, you know, when we talk about people that we run with, how they live, eat, breathe the fire service, um, that was Bobby. Yeah, that was Bobby. Yep. So, uh, And we all benefited by that. The oh. whole fire service did, including all those folks, uh, you know, the people from the show, from FDIC, and all the people that worked, all the, you know, conferences around the country. He was always very supportive of everybody, and uh, everybody misses him. Yep. Well, and again, he's this incredible person. So if you're at FDIC, please join us Wednesday at about 5.30 in the big room uh, for, for our tribute to Chief Bobby Halton. Um, I think you're going to see that theme throughout the conference. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as 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 Bobby had said for years, you know, uh, the show must go on. And uh, he was a big believer in that. Um, you know, that was after Tommy Brennan passed away. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. after Alan Brunacini passed away. And actually point. Tommy Brennan passed away right before or right at the beginning days of FDIC, the year he died. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, you know, Bobby used to talk about, you know, the show has to go on and we've got to do stuff. And and so Bobby will, will, will he'll love seeing it. You know, he's going to be watching. Um, mm -hmm. David Rhodes, David uh, took over. Uh, actually, New man at the helm. Yeah. Well, remember Bobby announced it on our show. Remember on our hump day hangout, he announced uh, that, uh, God, it was like eight months before his passing that yep. he named David, as he said, said his XO. Right. He had him in the wings and he was breaking him in and showing him stuff. And boy, how, how, you know, tragically, but convenient that was that that had started, and and David isn't gonna just take it cold. He already was was being led by Bobby and showed a lot of the stuff that he needed to know, and 
So, you know, he took it sooner than expected, but it was already in the works, which is great. Yeah, Bobby was getting ready to hand off the baton, as he, he told us several times. And, you know, plus David's not new to FDI. David's been no, with FDIC no. for 20, 25 years. I mean, he he ran logistics for FDIC. Plenty of leadership roles before. Yep. Battalion chief with Atlanta, big department, the union president there for like 18 years. So David is David's a class act. He's a great guy. Perfect, The perfect That's uh, right. successor. Hey, yep. You know what? And... uh yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna do good, Bobby. You know what, Bobby wanted it that way. He, that's how he Bobby was picked a up. good man. Yep. Yes, he did. So now you and I uh, were at FDIC on Monday. Monday morning, we're doing our organizing the fire ground workshop, four hours, and then Wednesday afternoon before the tribute, we're doing a three degrees of Mayday. Um, Friday afternoon, we're gonna be in the Dingus Dingus fire booth signing books, right. and then we're gonna be in the book booth the rest of the time, right, a couple of days. Yeah, yeah signing and. Um, the new things, instead of doing a radio show live from there, they're, they're doing it. Um, uh, I, I can't believe I forgot the, the, the phrase or the, the title they're calling it, but they built a set like a Fox news set. Oh, okay. Right there. That that's where we're going to do our shows from. Nice. It's yeah. going to be an up in that little hole yeah, up in the wall. Yeah, yeah. It's right there where people are walking by and, Very windows, cool. and it's set up like a firehouse. But, hey, what's going on? Very cool. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. So, so, Hey, so anyway, here we are. Um, Actually, oh, and you know what? I'll give a plug. My new book, The Fire Scene, <laughs> is going to is going to be uh, available at the book booth, uh, published, of course, by Fire Engineering. Well, that's if they if they can keep up with the printing. I mean, you're already on like your second, uh, yeah, 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 third yeah. printing. Whatever. No, seriously, it's it's you know, it's a good one. You'll you'll see. They sold out of it right away, and they were pretty excited about that. So, um, yeah. So look look us up at FDIC if you're there. If not, you know, we're we're all over the country doing things. We post in our schedules and so on and so forth. So, all right, John, one of the things um, you and I talk about a lot, where here we are, we're actually uh, at the recording of uh, this particular show. Um, we're in uh, South Carolina. Uh -huh. um, we're going to be with our good friend, Jim Crawford, assistant nice. chief with Midway Fire and Rescue, doing a company officer academy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, just like Jimmy, you know, being from Pittsburgh and, and all the years, you know, busy ass engines and trucks and all that, uh, the Ritz stuff and so on and so forth. Um, one of the things we've always talked about is, I guess it would say what agitates us is when we see people that aren't into the job, number one, the ones that don't train and, and um, aren't prepared and, you know, all that. I mean, I always talk about you in Wichita visiting Brian before he got on there and you, you ran across the street, of course. It wasn't like the ice cream truck was you ran across the street because a tower ladder pulled up on a run. Right. And I remember you called me, you were, you were so excited. I'm like, here's impressed, a guy, impressed oh, is the word. Here's yeah. a guy with 50 years of the fire service that goes, Rick. I'm telling you, the guys, they looked, smelled, talked yeah. like, like, like I thought it was in the Bronx. I thought yeah. it was back in the Bronx. And, and I learned more stuff from him today. The, the, the little job that he was just at, not today, but yesterday, I'm, I'm visiting him. You know, I actually took this trip from there. And uh, he was telling me something else about some roof cutting that we'll talk about later. But another new thing that I really never heard before that they that they do when, when they're encountering knee walls and stuff like that in private dwelling fires was pretty interesting stuff as well. So, um so go ahead, move, move well, on just, with tonight's. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, but knee walls, knee walls are a challenge, and we're actually that's one of our topics of for the future yeah. um, when it when it comes to that. But but one of the things we, I, I guess, maybe tonight we could focus on or today is on 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 being prepared, being ready, being into the being into the job right, right from the start. Because you know, we, I, I, we said this several times in the show. I'm always amazed the fire departments who are the busiest with fire duty, the ones that fight fires all the time. Train the most. They're training. If they're not fighting fires, they're cleaning up their stuff and they're training. They train right. the most. And the departments right. that fight 
the least amount of fires. But do the less work, do the less training. I, I've never understood yeah. it, or you think yeah. it would be the other way around. And you know, you you mentioned the word unprepared. You know, and 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 it's a, it's another phrase that I've heard before. You know, being unprepared is unprofessional. It really just is. You know, and 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 I'm not not using the term professional as as if it bears on being career. Being unprepared is unprofessional. Whether you're a career, whether you're a volunteer, whether you're a combination department, you know what? You got to be prepared. And and one of the phrases, and I'm, and, I, and I'll give you the phrase right now, which is the title for tonight's program. Well, I was just going to ask you that. Right. What's that phrase you always use? You know, I heard it somewhere. I forget where I heard it, but but as soon as I heard it, it was cemented in my memory. And there's not many things cemented in my memory, but that's one <laughs> of them, right? And if you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. I mean. It, it's not even 10 words. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready, meaning readiness. Readiness is everything. You know, and it's, where do you start? I mean, how many different topics, how many different elements, uh, how many different tasks of what we do all require readiness, all require work ahead of time, things that we have to look into and prepare and do and, well, and clean and, and get fueled up. And I mean, we, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, roll, all those roll, different things. Roll back the camera here for a second. <laughs> How many times have we talked about it where you're on your way into work, you're on your way to the firehouse. Well, and, and this goes for our volunteers. We're both volunteers, you know, having your gear ready in your rack and everything else. And you can't just go up there and check the rig once a month and go, Hey, we're good. The rig good this month. You know, right. you got to sneak up there once in a while. We'll, we'll talk. And, about and you mentioned, second. and you mentioned the volunteers. I mean, this goes from volunteer to career. This goes from officer, company officer to chief officer, to battalion, to firefighters. There's so many different elements of people, but but briefly mentioning, you know, volunteers. They they just did when I was chief of Sapling Grove, which ended last year. Um, uh, one of, one of the young new members of the company was a was an Eagle Scout candidate, and and his project was they he redid all the gear racks in the firehouse. Now we actually went out and considered purchasing the new, you know, the heavy duty metal wire cage ones, which are absolutely beautiful, and the only thing that they're more than beautiful is expensive. And we ended up not doing it because the ones that we had were actually pretty solid. But I said, let's improve them. So I sort of took some of the features of the of the, those metal red wire cage gear racks that you see. I took some of the, the features of those and I said, let's modify. Let's add to our existing. And this young man did such a great job. He modified our gear rack. So now everybody has a defined you know, area on the gear rack that's theirs. It used to be just a big, long rack with helmets on it and gloves, right. and they like mixed in with each other. And now there are barriers. There's little little barriers between every single one, and everybody's got two coat hangers. They even have a radio, a special little radio hanger. You can put your strap on and stuff like that. And just getting those just getting those gear racks organized, I'm telling you right now, increased our, our response time, meaning reduced it. It increased the efficiency of our response time because now guys run in and, and their name, you put really nice name tags on each one. You can very quickly see where you are. You didn't have to count one, two, three, four, five, six down to find your, you know, your helmet. And you're your not coat. bumping into each other. Exactly. So even just as simple as putting well-designed, well-maintained gear racks in a volunteer firehouse, and we've said that for years, you can you can tell us where the way a volunteer firehouse is, by looking at the way the guy's gear is stacked yeah, you see up, their on. personalities. That's right. That's yeah. right. And I'm just so proud of that. I'm not the chief anymore, but every time I look at it, and he repainted them red. They used to be blue, and now they're red. And all new hooks and all new hardware. And he made the shelf at the bottom four inches wider, I believe, because it used to be all the the boots and the pants were down there, but but the uh, the, the the shoulder straps, the, the 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 suspenders would always hang off and be hanging on the floor. Made it difficult to wash the floor and sweep the floor because it was pulling boots off. So we made that water. Make a long story short, without taking too much time up, even something as simple as good, well-maintained professional gear racks in a well, volunteer fire department help 
you be more ready for the next one. Well, and we were just, and it's it's kind of, you know, just today I was talking with uh, my chief from my volunteer department, Ryan Fetzer. You know, you met Ryan. Ryan's a great right. guy. Yep. And we're talking about we're building a new firehouse, and we're talking about you know, I mean, I you know, obviously you and I and I, I've built a bunch of firehouses in my time as fire chief in a couple of different places. Um, you know, we talked about the career side. We talk about impact time. The impact time when you design a career firehouse is they're already there. They, they could take two hours to get into the parking lot. Nobody cares when you're going into work. Once you're on duty, the impact time is how quick you get onto the floor to get your stuff and be out the door. So we've said this before. You can always tell when a fire chief designs a firehouse that hasn't been on a shift for a while because nothing connects. Your right. day room your day room needs to dump on the floor. Your bunk room or your lock, your, your your sleeping quarters needs to dump on the floor. Or the bottom of the stairway or the bottom of the pole yeah, hole should exactly. dump onto the floor. Everything should, should not have to walk through the laundry room or the gear closet. That's I, right. I worked at a firehouse where the day room, kitchen, and and um, uh, uh, day room, kitchen, um, and um, uh, uh, food prep area, all that stuff, the dining area was not even connected. You you were actually there. You had coffee with us. I want to say where it's at. But you had to actually, to go to a call, you had to kind of like walk down a hallway past mops and brooms. Some of these old down hallways. And all this. And you're in the back of the bay. And I'm like, and we've talked about seconds count. So impact time on the career side is how quick can you get out from wherever you're at? Whether you're sleeping, you know, you're, it's, it's it's bedtime, bug time, you're, it, it's lunchtime, you're in there, your training room. Every, you know, look, if it's an office down the hallway and you got to get up and hoof it as the officer, that's fine. But the guys and gals should be able to get to the rigs right away and get the out the group door. rooms, right. So on the volunteer side, and Ryan and I were talking about this because this is what our our, our station planning committee has has really focused on, uh, Bradley and Jimmy and all them and Chris and Michael and our whole group and, and Ryan, our chief, is impact time for the volunteer fire services. How quick can you get into the parking lot, get into your gear, and get to the rig and get out the door? Right. So the career side, who cares? You drive, you park, and I'm not saying who cares. I'm saying you know it, you're already inside. That. Your response time, yeah. or turnout time, yeah. starts on the belt. Yes, yeah, so let me let me change that. I I didn't mean to say who cares. What I'm saying is that who cares what time you get into the parking lot. It's when you're on duty, how quick you can get to your rig, how efficient, how quick you can get to your rig. On the volunteer side, we're coming from home. We got to be able to get there. That's part of our turnout. That's time. right. That's right. Get in, and you've always said there's two two response times in the volunteer fire service to the station from the station to the call. Right. So what do we have to do impact time to get in the parking lot, get into the, the the PPE room or wherever you got it, get to the rigs and get out. And we Ryan and I were just talking about that because that's that's been the big focus. Then you build the rest of the firehouse around that. Right. So that being said, you know when you look at how you got, remember in Pennsylvania where they had the the bollard signs and the pizza boxes for yeah, you? Yeah. Remember the firehouse had. Where the guys pulled in, they they actually had the parking lot where they were like chevrons, they're angles. So you didn't have to do this turn. You just went boom, boom, boom into these pockets and in you went right. to where you get your stuff. So and then the door was right there on the side of the building. Not everybody running past their cars now up to the front of the building to make the left hand turn to go across the front of the building to get to the main entrance. You know, if the parking lot's on the side of the building, there should be a side entrance. Right, right, <laughs> right. And and so if we're going to call this one, I think we should, what you just said, I, I was glad because I was just getting ready, because I always ask you class to mention it. You know, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Well, part of that is in, in how you set your firehouse up. And then now on the volunteer side, we said this before, you know, once a month doesn't make it. We're lucky. We have guys, we have, we have runs, we have calls too, but we have guys who go up there and start rigs and check things. They're driving by. I know I've done it. There's a bunch of guys, Jimmy, rather stop in there and start up a rig and just check things and make sure that everything's good instead of going, let's wait once a month to do it. You know, that, 
on the so you mentioned the gear racks inside and, and and let's talk about impact time getting in for the volunteer department getting out on the career side how many times we've been places and you go out to look on the floor at the engine john or the ladder and i can't find their turnout gear to save my life on the rig the doors are all closed i'm looking i'm going and their gear is they well we have to leave it we were told we can't put on a rig we have to leave it in the ppe room or we have to i'm like Right. So you have to run or to that still hanging on a hook on the side wall. They still have to go somewhere first to grab their gear and then run across the room. Again, seconds count. Now they're taking, you know, 20 seconds to get into the apparatus floor, and 10 of it is going to the gear rack, and five of it is getting back to the rig again now versus instead doing it when you come in for your shift. You come in for your shift now. When you're getting set up in the morning, there is no run coming in. There is no clock ticking. There is nobody waiting on the floor or waiting on a bed to be rescued because no run has come in yet. Now you walk over there casually, pick your coat up, your boots up, your helmet up. You walk over to your assigned spot off of the rig you're going to be on, and you set your you set your boots up right with the suspenders correctly. You put your helmet up on the engine cover or on the seat or on the dashboard or wherever it is that you're going. You have your coat hanging on the outside with with what? With, with, the with the radio in a proper order. In other words, you don't have the radio buried under everything or necessarily on top of everything. You have it where you jump in, put your, put your bucket pants on, suspenders up. Next thing you do, radio. Now your radio, and I'm assuming you got on a leather strap with a, you know, with with right. a, with a harness where it's going to be under your coat. Then the next thing under the radio is the coat. Now you put the coat on top, and there's your sequence. Obviously your gloves, your helmet, stuff like that you can put on inside. But you know, folks that have that set up, and I've I've taken many pictures in the Bronx of 58 truck and 48 engine and many other places, all like that. Everybody everybody sets up like that. Everybody's gear is ready on their riding position. Well, every and they even ship. make. Have you? I love it. They even make the little hooks. So the handrail next to the officer's seat and the other one, at the very top of it, where the bolt is, that bolts the handrail, there's a little chrome, it matches it, little chrome, pretty sturdy, you know, hook that right. you can hang your coat on, you know. Exactly. However you want to do it, whether you want to do special stuff like that, a lot of places like a towel out of guys will hang, you know, on, on a tormentor or on or on the, uh, you know, the intake for the, you know, where the water goes into the towel out Some guys will hang their stuff on there and have their boots you know, obviously there's two guys getting on each side in the FDNY. You may have one guy on each side or maybe just one guy all together, but have an idea ready and in position so you can very quickly get dressed from standing next to it to climbing in in, in seconds, in seconds, not well, even a minute. And I, I remember you saying something a while back um, before we talked about doing this one tonight about, you know, if you and I've said this before, you said if you're cutting your bagel, I used to say if you're too busy eating your, your egg McMuffin or your oatmeal to check your rig in the morning, check your air packs, yep. you know what? That's when you come in. After you get the rig check, you come in, you sit down, you have your bowl of oatmeal and right. your toast or whatever. But the priority should be to get your stuff on the rig, get your battery changed in your radio, check your SCBA. You know, if you're driving, everything that goes along with that, right. everything you see, tools, everything. And, and the main thing is if you're a career guy and you're coming into work in the morning and, and it's really early, you know, FDMY is 9 a.m. shift change. If it's 7 a.m., if it's 10 to 7 and you get in, you're one of two or three guys in the kitchen yet. The guys had a busy night. They're not even up yet. You know what? If if you're not if you haven't relieved somebody yet, if you haven't, I would never go in and take a guy's gear off that doesn't know what's being taken off. I always have to talk to him first and say, "Listen, I'm in. I'll take it." Okay, good. So my point is, yeah, you could be sitting in the kitchen eating a bagel and having a coffee, having done nothing else yet, because it's really early. And some guys that work either far away or work in big cities where there's a lot of traffic, sometimes they get in two hours ahead of time on a day tour. But once you exchange, once you do your exchange of information with a guy, hey, Tommy, I'm in. I got, I, what did you have? Oh, I had the roof. Okay, good. I'm good. Take your stuff off from ready to go. Once you have that conversation, now you are on duty. Whether you're standing there in your shorts and your T-shirt or not, when you relieve the guy, 
Now you got to get your well, stuff and, ready. And Even before you go upstairs to maybe change into your work duty uniform, you get your gear ready, and now now you're ready. Well, we said this before. You know, our customers, the the nine one, we can't put the phones on call forwarding. People don't say, well, hold off, honey. Don't call the fire department yet. I don't think they're ready yet. Yeah, it's around shift change. Yeah, yeah they, they don't do that. We have an obligation to be ready, like, now, all the time, ready. We can't, we don't take, and, and, and this is volunteer career. You can't say, well, you know, the rigs, you know, today's Sunday, and sometimes Monday we go to start, and they don't start because we haven't checked them all. Oh, we had that big brush fly yesterday, so my, my gear is hanging out in the dry shed, you know, where, where we got big fans. I, I didn't put it back out yet. You know what? You got to pay attention to that. Because 12 hours later, 24 hours later now, you're home, you went home, you, you went to work the next day, you went to home, you went, you had dinner with the family, all of a sudden a rug comes in for a structure fire. This is 30, 36 hours after your brush fire. Guess what? Your gear's not on your rack still. Because well, you left it in the dry shed or in the dry room or, or in the coat dryer. You know what? That's the stuff you got to pay attention to. And your guys are like that South Blooming Grove, your volunteer department, just like my volunteer department, Wichita West, and even the career places where we take care of each other. The career side was like, it's, it's the end of the shift. You go, John, go. I got your gear. Leave it with me. I'll take it apart. Right, he's I'll running home it. to a concert for his I, kid or a ball game. That's right. I'll put an extractor for you. When you you, you come back to work in a couple of days, it's hung up. It's dry. Like it's you done. put it away. Like you that's put it away. Right. Now, the same thing on the, on the brotherhood. Everybody, everybody does brotherhood, brotherhood, brotherhood. That's what that's part well, of. Take, hey, get out of here, John. Go home. I got your gear. And the good guys and gals do that. Just like at the volunteer place. I can't tell how many times... Bradley, Bradley Carver or or Jimmy Spears or any of those guys, they stop up there and they're like, and they're putting your gear back together or, you know, guys have to go home. They got to go to their jobs. Go, go, go. I got you. Or like someone's going out of town and I'll come in and I'll see someone else's gear hanging up and they go, yeah, yeah, I washed that for him. He had to take off. Yep. So what you said, the brotherhood, we're not even out. We're not even out the door right now. We're just talking about being able to get, get ready and take our stuff and, and, and everything else taking care of each other is huge. You know, it's yeah. like, I got you go, man. I got you go get with your kids, you know, but you, if you're not into the job, if, if, if you're too worried about getting your fence, got, look, we getting all had side jobs. Getting out or getting to the side job or whatever. Right. Your priorities are not That's, right. And know? we've all had side jobs. God bless. I love my guys. I, we, you and I pretty much try to only hire firefighters because we believe to keep you know money in the family. But at the same time, when you get there, that's, that, that's, that's volunteer Drill nights or train is getting there early, checking your stuff, yep. getting things ready. But but on the career side, just when you get in there, that's the absolute priority. In fact, I used to get worried. I used to sit, I used to kind of panic. And even when I was a medic on the ambulance, firefighter paramedic, in the back of my head, I'm like, I know right now the defibrillator's dead. I just, I already know the right. batteries. I know right. the O2 cylinder's empty. And 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 nine 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 times a hundred, it wasn't. But I was paranoid and about. I, and I'm glad and I'm glad you brought that up because. You know, we, we can move on from your gear and stuff like that being ready or relieving somebody or, or taking care of somebody's gear. We can move on to get to getting the rig ready, getting the tools ready, getting the equipment ready, which is a big, big deal. We have those discussions all the time when we do our company officer academy and when we do our chief officer academy. We talk about, like, whose job is that and how often is that done? Obviously, in a volunteer fire department like South Bloomer Grove that has a weekly training night. Every Wednesday night, there's somebody there. Every Wednesday night, the firehouse is, is a a, a a lot of activity going on. People checking rigs, people cleaning tools, people packing hose. And then we have a training event that night, a drill too. But my point is, it's one night a week because that's the volunteer fire service. It'd be wonderful if it was every night, but that's not realistic. But now go to a career department that has people on duty every day, all day, whatever the shifts are. It doesn't really matter. The rig's got to be checked every day. Now, some people think just opening compartments and closing compartments. No. One, two, three, four. We get two saws, a couple of spare blades, and there's the saw. There's the fuel can, the spare fuel can. Good. You close it. 
Well, little did they know that one of the saws was out of fuel. The other one was half empty. There was only two blades there instead of three. And and the can was half empty because they had filled up that saw at the last job. I'm not even talking about would it start or not start. Did it have a fouled out spark plug? Or or maybe the saw in the back, somebody pulled it and, and busted the and busted the you know the pull cord and, and just tied it up in a, on a knot on the handles, thinking when we get back, we'll do it. And they forgot about it. So and it doesn't matter. We can go to every compartment on every type of apparatus. That's not how you check a rig. And now I'll tell you how we check it in the FDNY and how we check it at Sapling Go because there's a strong FDNY influence there. Um, is every compartment is open, every tool is looked at, meaning every hand tool is picked up. If it's an axe, it could have a loose handle. You can't detect the loose handle by looking at a at, at an axe laying on the bottom of a compartment. So every every tool is picked up and looked at quickly. And and it does it look dirty? Does it look like it has you know, uh, you know, dust on it from sheetrock or whatever it is. And and once that's done, every machine that can run is started. Every fuel tank that holds fuel is opened and looked into. It doesn't matter if it starts or not. If it starts, that's wonderful. Now we look at the fuel tank. If it needs to be topped off, it gets topped off. And then we look at, at the, the tank that's in there. Obviously, everybody's got the little portable tanks to refuel their saws or their generators or their hearth tools. Then that has to be made. And if it's a mix, you know, new young firefighters have to be taught. And some of them don't know from home, but you know, the difference between straight fuel on some machines right. and fuel fuel oil mixes on other machines. And it goes on and on and on to, to hose. Uh, uh, you know, you talk about the hose being pulled off a regular time and, and a soda can and a branch falling off. And them saying, oh, that was from when we had the high school kids up there. Oh, oh, four months ago? Yeah. That, that's when that soda can <laughs> is from? You know, so whether you're checking hose, whether you look, every every nozzle is operated. The bail on every every nozzle is, is open and closed, open and closed a couple because of times. What, because what's, you know, what's the flip side of that? Well, the flip side is not looking at it and you find or visually out looking at it. And you find out on your knees at the front of a house and you're getting ready to go in there and realize, holy shit, this bale is broken. Or wait a minute, you're up on the roof and you go to start the saw and there is no, you, you can't pull it. You can't pull it. You, there is no handle to pull. Well, and, but, and I, I love, I got taught this by a mentor a long time ago about putting your hands on this stuff. Every time you grab it, every time you take it out, every time you hold it, you got the weight, you got the feel. You can almost get to a point when you feel what you can actually feel when things aren't right. Absolutely. You can actually feel when the saw is. I mean, there's just a way if you handle it all the time, you know, take it out. And, and here's the other thing I like to do, John. When, once in a while, when, you know, when, when I was, you know, checking rigs and not, not too long ago at Wichita West, I had a couple of new guys with me. And, and what I said, I said, okay, let's stop by, let's stop right here at this compartment. Open up. Okay. Let's, and, and we turn into class. What is this used for? And what are the uses for this? And what can we do? And why do we call this this? What do you call that? And I was quick. And then two other guys jumped in and they started chirping. I said, Hey, stay out of this right now. Those were the new guys. And they couldn't resist saying, Oh, that's the duckbill lock want to jump right in there and show that they know. That's the duckbill lock breaker. That's for pan. Okay. You know, and so, what's it made of? Duckbill lock breaker is going to be made of brass most of the yeah, time. So you know? that being said, so you've got all, yeah, you've got all this stuff that guys just open and close. If they even open, some guys don't even open. You know what they do? They jump in the rig. They start it up. They turn around. They look at the fuel. Okay, the fuel's full. They look at the water. Okay, the water tank is full. The booster tank is full. They they take a quick glimpse at the hose in the back. All right, we're good to go. Well, good to go, except except you're not. All you know is you have a full tank of fuel and you have a full tank of water. Explain running out of fuel at a fire. Oh, we talked about that earlier. I, I always thought that was a disgrace. And I can honestly say none of my companies that I was ever in However, I do remember none of my companies I ever, I'll finish a sentence in case anybody ever ran out of fuel, ever ran out of diesel while working at a fire or anywhere else for that matter. But I do remember going to a big job one time when I was in the 18th battalion. It was up in another battalion and it was a multiple alarm. I think it was the third alarm. And actually one of the pumpers there, and it may have been the first two pumper, I think it was, ran out of fuel. 
it, it was after the height of the fire was over and it was dark and down, but it still did run out of fuel. And it was only operating for a couple hours, not a few hours, a couple of hours. The, which uh, meant? Which meant this thing was not full when they got to that fire, which means it wasn't full when they left quarters, which means it wasn't checked at the beginning of the tour because we were we were well into a tour when this fire came in. So right off the bat, and now, now what's the chances of that happening? Very slim, but it did happen. Some people didn't even realize it, but I said it, and I and I said it to the officer. I said, you know what? I, I guess I guess your fuel tank wasn't full when you started, right? You can't you can't run out of fuel at a fire if you're running for two hours, pump it or not, if you were full. What about the aerial operator that checks the rig but doesn't pull it? Every time I was on the snorkel or the aerial, when I pulled it out, I set it up. Right. Every single time I I don't care what was going to set because again that maybe i'm maybe i'm a scaredy cat okay my, my big thing was you know i was afraid of showing up somewhere and going oh oh guys are looking at you we gotta get to the roof or there's someone at a window and i look like a jackass because my rig you know the, if something doesn't work it should have broke when you got there if something it shouldn't be like well i missed it you this didn't morning. discover it and i i guess so and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on you for a second. The 18th Battalion. I always go back to because I loved your battalion, I love the guys. Okay, and I'll say this. I always I always say this before I bring up FDNY. You'll be the first one to say, "Hey, FDNY is not perfect, but they do a lot of stuff good and some stuff great." I said, you know, I I can't I can't even imagine in the 18th somebody not checking. So I, I just can't even imagine that happening. Where and and this is a place that there's a lot of runs. 88 engine, 38 truck. They're taking in runs, taking in runs. I've said this for a long time. So you're on your way in to ladder 38, to the Bronx, the Bronx All-Stars, right? 88 engine, 38 truck. You're on your way, you're on 38 truck. You're going, and you're not saying, I wonder I wonder if we're going to have a fire this month, like a lot of us do. You're wondering, I wonder what time my first fire is going to be today, my right. first job. And they get there, and, and instead of going, yeah, they had a fire yesterday. Okay, good. So I run good. No, every single two, they they set the ladder up and they put cones. They block a whole it's city amazing. street off. They block a and, city and street off. And it's not just 38 and 88. 48, where I was well, a captain, and 56, who are actually busier by the numbers, you know, the 38 and 88. You know, uh, everybody's got different reputations in the 18th Battalion and all throughout New York City. But the point is, and 45 and 58, where the 18th Battalion lives, right, in, my, in the quarters that I worked in for 17 years, great. Great companies. And, and you know what's great about that? You know, we do a lot of company officer training, but that senior firefighter thing, that, 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 oh, the barn boss. The, the point is, a lot of the inspiration that young firefighters have to check a rig and do it right is all created by and supported by senior firefighters. So, like, when, when a young firefighter's down there, obviously they get, they get instructed, they get shown how to check the rig by senior firefighters. And you know what, senior firefighters that are sort of keeping an eye on it. And them and how they're checking the rig for a while until they get it routine down. After a while, after you're on a job for a year or two, when you're a senior, quote unquote, a senior junior man, you know, you get some time and you know what you're doing. Then, then they're probably not checked up as often. But that that influence is not just the company officer coming down saying, "Tommy, did you check the rig?" But it's a senior man expects the, the rig to be changed. You know, is the other cans full? You know, you can see two cans in there, two two and a half gallon water extinguishers, one foam can and one water can. And they both might be sitting there. And if you grab one of them and lift it and it's full, it doesn't mean the other one is. Right. It could have been used very quickly for a job. Maybe half the water used and put back. And then two more runs came in. And then you forgot about it. Then you caught a job. And, and, and isn't that what we talked about before, the whole brother-sister thing? I, I remember working once, and I won't say his last name, this Dave guy, would look forward to finding shit you missed and writing you up. You know, if you if you, if you you left something, he never once he'd come and say, hey, Rick, um, 
dude, I, you know, I found, oh, thanks, Dave, for taking care. You know, no, he would run to his captain right away and he always ran us out. And I'm like, I never, I never did that. I found stuff that wasn't right. And you know what I did? I fixed it. I filled right. it. I, I, right. I topped it off. I did what I had to do. Especially if you remember that the problem. If it happens, it happens, it happens. You go, hey, John, hey, come on, really? Every time I check, oh, yeah, I know. But we all get busy. We all have brain cramps. We all sometimes, all of a right. sudden, you know, you and forget. sometimes it is excusable. Sometimes it is understandable how it unfolds. I remember one time as a chief, and it doesn't matter whether it was in the 18th Battalion or whether it was in the volunteers up in Supplement Grover. I was chief two times. But I remember arriving at the scene of a call, and there was a couple of rigs already there ahead of me. And and there was a, a two-and-a-half-gallon extinguisher sitting sort of next to the truck. It was out in the street, but it was next to the truck. The compartment was still open. And the other guys were all gone. They were all inside, dispersed already, doing their work. And I, and I went to pick the can up to move it over. And 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 it and it lifted wide up. It, it was empty. It was an empty can. I said to myself, "What's this thing doing here?" So I, I moved it back over closer to the rig so nobody ran over it or tripped over it. And when the truck officer came down, you know, I mentioned it to him. I said, "Hey, hey, Billy, I found the can out in the middle of the street. It's empty though. Just so you know, you know, I, I put it next to the compartment." And and that's what happened. That's what happened. The fireman who was going to use the can went to grab it and discovered it was empty. So he put it down quick and he probably grabbed the second one or a different one, and. That's a perfect example. Because they have two cans, they were able to just not skip a beat well, and move right on. But somebody used that can, and, 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 and it's a great story. When I was a young man in 11 truck, this is my great story of the night. Um, I remember going to a job one time and using a can, and I go to put it back, and one of the senior men grabs my arm and said, what are you doing? I said, put the can back. He said, no, don't put it back. Get in the rig now with it. Get in the, we had an old C grave, like a 71 C grave rim on. He said, get in the rig and hold on to that can. 1971? I, I put it, yeah. <laughs> I put it right in my lap. I put that two and a half gallon extinguisher in my lap when we drove back to the firehouse. It was still in my lap when I got there. I got out of the rig. Where was the can? In my hand. What did I do? I went and filled it up. If you had put it back in a compartment, now another run comes in, or now you go back to quarters and somebody says, hey, come here, guys. We need help doing this. You might forget about it. That was a lesson I learned. Anytime you use an extinguisher for anything other than a, a one squirt, Put it in the, in the crew compartment with you, and when you get back, that that's the physical reminder to recharge it with water or air or both before you put it away. And I know we brag about, and 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 I'll say justifiably so, we brag about. I, I always brag about Louisville. You know, Trophy Club was a great Coeur d'Alene. You with with the FDNY and South Blooming Grove and me with Wichita West. I'll tell you this, I'm proud, and I, I know my chief Ryan Fetzer is. You know, we. I, I watch these guys on Rick. So we, you know, what we do is for our drill nights are on Mondays instead of Wednesdays. So we're out of the out of the eight rigs, there's there's two or three checked. Instead of all, we 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 take the first part of it, boom, we hit it, we get two rigs done, bang, bang, bang. Oh, they're all done eventually, but we get that done beforehand. And we used to do just one night with it. And some people were like whipping through. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way you could check that engine as quick as you did. You right. couldn't have checked everything on it. Now you've got you've got big crowds of guys jumping on the, the rigs instead of one or two, just going through the motions. Now there's big crowds of guys getting on there, putting their hands and stuff, checking things. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's pretty cool to watch these guys. They're, they're in and listen yeah. and listening to the guys who've been on for a while, helping the newer guys explain, especially with some of the volunteers who have never been through a fire camp yet, that they're just starting it. And, they, and this is all new to them explaining, you know, this is this and this is that. And this is why we do that. So it's pretty cool to watch it right there in Wichita West in Texas with 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 our guys taking care of the rigs right before drill. And if you're on the and if you're on the apparatus floor talking to somebody or doing something or helping somebody or somebody asks you a question, and you just listen in the background, you have you hear you hear somebody turning on the SCBAs, 
You hear the alarms going off when they're breathing them down, checking checking them. Then you hear out in the back. You hear the saw starting. You know, then something else. You hear somebody else doing something else. And you can just tell by the sounds all the things that are happening, all the rigs that are being checked, all the tools that are being started and things like that. And you that. can tell when they're almost done. Absolutely. you're like, Absolutely. okay, they did this, 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 this. Yeah. So, but, but again, so let's go back to this where how frustrating it is. I know when you and I, cause we don't say nothing, you know, we're a guest somewhere when you go, they're not even ready. They're, they're, they're not even, you know, their gears down in the rig. They didn't, you know, and I just, again, it goes back to, I don't know how, this is the coolest job in the world. Volunteer career. Little boys and girls want to be you. This is the coolest job in the world. How can you take this for granted? How can you just, you know, everybody gets all dressed up. We all go to funerals. We ring bells and we cry and we do all our stuff. But then we don't want to change the stuff at the very beginning. Right. It could change it. Back to like your line of duty at length chain where if they'd call the mayday, if they, if they had called the mayday, if they'd done this, done this. Well, what about if they had actually checked the rig? What about right. if they actually had their gear right? What if they had their tools right? What How if do you walk past that rig? How do you walk past a, a 60-foot-long tiller rig or a rear mount on the way into the firehouse on drill night without wondering if the compartments are full? Is yeah. everything in there? Did somebody look at the shed? That's the first thing I always ask when I work in the firehouse. 89 checked yet? 85 checked yet? I'm, I'm working on chief. I'm doing 87, then I'm going to do 85. Okay, good. I always make sure that, you know, and I done it, and we have actually have a, we have a sheet. We have a clipboard. There's a clipboard for each rig. And every night when they check them, the 85 clipboard gets checked. SCBAs, five, one, two, three, four, good. You know, this, the saw, the fuel, the the, the, the water tank, the, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever's on. Each rig has its own custom checkoff list. And the kid that checks it or the guy that checks it, checks it off, puts the date on it, and, and puts his name at the bottom. Well, and now we know every rig's been checked. And 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 the, the career guys, you know, the excuse of, well, we got to run. Salk and Lasky teach a class, so hurry up. We got to get over there. You know what they do? The good ones say, come on, John, come here, jump on this. We got to go. Come on, let's get this done. We'll start early. They, they, right. They don't go, oh, we'll do it tonight. They go, no, come on, let's get going. We got to go somewhere. That, I, that little bit of nervous energy, I, I don't know, maybe it's not even nervous energy, but you know what I'm saying? That little bit of, come on, guys, let's go. We got we got to get this stuff done before we go out the door here. And how about the place that we've been to? And you've heard the same story sometimes. You know, like I'll, I'll bring that up at a conference, not a conference, at a seminar. At a department that might have a couple of outsiders in it, or it just might be them. It'd be like, "What do you guys check your rigs?" Oh, we check them every Sunday night. We do a big, <laughs> a big, really good, you know, heavy duty in depth check. Every fuel tank is filled, and every every motor is started. I said every Sunday night. I said, "Gosh, I mean, every Sunday night for them to check them. That makes Sunday day tour Saturday night pretty dangerous places. That mean, that means the rigs haven't been checked in five or six days, and you're still running. You you still going to calls. You're still doing life saving activities and and life threatening activities." With equipment that nobody's looked at for six days, I mean, even if there was a drip, a slow drip on the gas, you might it might be out of fuel. You know, right, never mind right. somebody running it down. Right, and it's I mean, like I said, we, we, I thought it was a thrill. Checking the rig was a thrill for me. When I when I was when I was a fireman in Rescue Three, me and Jay Jonas, Jay Jonas and I, we would check that rig. I don't know how many tools there were. I don't know how many compartments there were. It, it was an hour, hour and twenty minute event with two of us checking, and that was in the old days when we had a lot less. Tools and equipment than I have now, you know. Oh, I don't know how you can get get away with that. And again, you know, it comes back to leadership. It comes back to who you have running the show at the firehouse, the company officers. It, it falls on the shoulders of that senior firefighter because we've said this a million times. You know what? That senior firefighter gets more shit straightened out for you in that firehouse. The senior firefighter is leaning on the other guys, going, "Hey, hey, you! I said you get out of recliner. Come on, let's go. Are you half of it without the officer even knowing? It, it's the whole. It's back to it's back to well, the company officer." You know, our friend Alan Brunacini saying, when I was a captain at Engine One, I would say, 
I love this. Show. <laughs> everyone, everyone who, everybody who wants to train, meet me at the back of Engine One. Anyone that doesn't want to train, meet me at the back of Engine One. Let's go. <laughs> Get right. take right. wet. But, but again, if we really, are, if we really are going to talk about this whole. You know, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. You know, you said this a bunch of times before. It's, they're not our seconds. What are we doing for the people we said we're there to protect? Forget being macho for a second. Forget what kind of tattoos you God bless you, T-shirts and hats and all that shit you got. Let's talk about what you're doing to be ready at your volunteer and your career place to be able to get out the door. There's nothing more embarrassing, especially nowadays with YouTube. There's nothing more embarrassing than looking like, the clown car just showed up and you can't get stuff started. You can't pull hose water. Doesn't, I mean, the whole thing, it's like, really, you know, and I, I, there are times where things happen. We understand that, you know, and, and we know there's acts of God out there or stuff. Just all of a sudden, Hey, it worked this morning. I don't know what, how, right. what just happened now, but, but there's very few excuses out there when it comes to not being ready to do our jobs. Yeah. And, and, and when we start talking about rapid turnout and, and, you know, the fact that, that all that time belongs to the people that are waiting for us, whether whether they're sitting in a car somewhere out in a highway that's been damaged and, and maybe they're injured waiting to be rescued, whether they're having a heart attack somewhere on a mall, whether there's a fire somewhere, those seconds it is. And I, one of the things that I've been saying more lately in the last couple of years that some people disagree with, and I, and I do understand people disagreeing with it, but I always thought when you're sitting in a firehouse, particularly as a career firefighter, the minute the alarms go off, and everybody's alarms are different. Somebody has the alarms that go beep, 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 get louder. Right. Some people just have clang, clang, clang. Some people have beep, boop, whatever it is. Whatever your alarm tones or bells or sounds are, the minute they sound, everybody should be up and moving. Now, some people, and you watch it. You see it on videos. You see it on YouTube. You see it live, right? You see everybody go, whoop, listen, to see who the run is for. Is it for the engine? Is it for the truck? Is it for the chief? Or is it for all of us? We waste another five seconds sitting there listening for it. Instead of just getting up and walking towards the fire apparatus floor, and now if it says engine only, engine only, then the truck guys can just turn around, take 20 more steps back, and sit back down at the dining room table and finish eating, or sit back down and finish watching the Yankee game, or sit back down at the workbench and, and finish you know, cleaning the tools. I don't know why everybody has to sit stoically, sit right. still, and wait to see what the alarm is. When that alarm is being processed forever, a minute for already, probably for a minute, maybe a minute and a half by the dispatcher, a minute and a half has already gone by since somebody called in that smoke coming out of that window of that house. And now we're sort of just waiting another five seconds, 10 seconds to see if it's for us or him or all of us. And like I said, sometimes it's hard to get guys to respond to things that they know are theirs, never mind things that they don't know. I think it's a good habit for career firefighters to get into because volunteers do it. The minute your pager goes off, everybody starts running to that car outside to drive to the firehouse, right? Because they know you got to get there. I think career guys should do the same thing. The minute the alarms go off, the minute the tones start sounding, everybody should be walking towards whatever vehicle is they're riding on. And if it turns out just to be an engine-only run, then you know what? Then you turn around and you walk back. No, Nothing lost. Nothing lost at all. No wasted energy there. Exactly. So, so, and you got me thinking. That, so, we, we need to wrap things up here because we always try to keep it a certain time frame. But if we start this at the beginning, you know, your mindset has to be, you know, thinking about the job on your way into the firehouse, your career place. Always good. As a volunteer, when you're at home, you need to be thinking about who's around today, who's not around today, you know, what's the weather, all the different things that that play into a volunteer firefighter's, you know, mind and psyche when it comes to being able to even get to the firehouse with who and where and all that. On that career side, who's going to be, who am I working with when we get in there? 
their level of experience, who's the boss. Right, the way of acting people, uh, regular all officer. That stuff. Yep. And then we get there and boom, we're checking the rig. We're checking our, I mean, it's, you know, I used to, the very first thing I did is, is my gear, my radio, my air pack. Everything after that came afterwards, but I want your gears all your gear. Some guys check everything and then they get to see the fire. Oh crap. I forgot I didn't have any gloves. My yeah. gloves are wet. So I get, they're I mean, up on the heater. I can't do nothing without my turnout gear. I can't do anything if I without my air pack and without my radio. The rest of stuff, you know, and because if if I started at let's say, let's say for some reason I started at 0700, that shift change, and a call came in like right after that, I know at least. You know, the driver, are the lights working? Does it rig? We we got to start. Does a rig start? We got to get out the door. We have to be ready to go. So it, it kind of mindset for if, it, you know, it, it, you don't have to to get ready if you stay ready. You just don't want to be ready. Right. It's, it's not like, well, you know, really it doesn't matter. Everybody knows it matters. And everybody does want to be ready. It's just a matter of putting that, that time in ahead of time. Exactly. Yeah. So you're thinking about it on the way into the firehouse. You're thinking about when you're home as a volunteer. When you get there. It's about your apparatus, your gear, your tools, everything. Put your hands and stuff and checking it. It's about training. It's about if if a stranger walked in your firehouse, would they be able to go, these guys are ready, man. Right. Look at her gear. Right. Look at his gear. They are ready. Yep. Like you did in Wichita. You went, I thought I was in the Bronx. These guys remind us. Like I was talking to Bronx firefighters. You know, all that stuff. Putting your hands on again, like I said, training, everything along with that has to be, has to be taken care Absolutely. of. Any closing thoughts on that? No, I mean we we I don't want to say we beat it to death because there's even more to it. We could probably do oh, more God. on another on another session. Life. We could probably talk about some other other important elements of being ready. But uh, certainly the ones that we hit are in a time span. You know, looking at those are the first things you start thinking about or start talking about or start taking care of when you when you get into the firehouse and whether it's for a shift or for a run. Well, and I'm glad you brought up because I was going to make you mention, and I'm glad we're going to use that as our title. But you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Yep. And you know what? There's another thing, you know, I see people, it's in my office, you know, hashtag, you know, expect fire, expect victims. You know, you see that. Don't let the ghosts of, of poor training come back to haunt you. All those different things. I saw things. that on the inside of a door. Officer's door was open on the apparatus. And on the inside of the door, taped or stenciled or painted, whatever it was, it said expect fire. Expect fire, yep. expect victims. Yep. yep. And you know what? Maybe, maybe in the, maybe in the, the firehouse someone needs to hang up there you don't have to get ready if you stay ready so Excellent. hey uh email if they want to get a hold of you chief john salka at gmail.com and i'm chief lasky at gmail.com we appreciate you joining us again and you know what john you and i just talked about this before we we started this one folks you know we love it when you come up and it's been happening a lot how many people come up in class and go god i love old school i love listening to you guys um you know Spread spread the word. We don't get we're, we're not asking for donations. We don't get paid to do this. We do this because we love the job just like you do. If you're listening to this, you love the job. So you're, you're already into it. We always end all of our shows with a very, very, very special uh, message. And that is please keep the men and women in our armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. And remember, never forgetting means just that. Never forgetting. See you next time. God bless you. Bye -bye. Take care.